Good morning, everyone. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to present the Word of God, as we should be doing each and every day of our lives. Um, in the Bible, we see a lot of interesting ideas and illustrations. We're going to look specifically at one illustration this morning. We see illustrations in the Bible of the church, presented as the body of Christ. We see ideas and illustrations as uh, Moses being called um, the lawgiver, the law of Moses being a tutor or a schoolmaster. We see ideas of the men that are to guide a church called shepherds. We see ideas and illustrations of Christians being described as free, but as well as servants. Each of these help us to understand and further our knowledge of God and further our ex knowledge of the expectations that God has for us. This morning we're going to look at one illustration that I hope will, uh, we can leave from here and apply this week especially and apply each and every day. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and we'll read the first three verses together. Second Corinthians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves... Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. The idea and illustration that we'll look at this morning is an epistle of Christ. We are called to be epistles of Christ, and I hope that with the time that we have this morning, we can see how we are to do that. Notice the questions that are asked in the first verse. The questions that Paul asked them, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Do we need letters of recommendation from you? Do we need recommendation letters to you? It was a common practice we're studying uh, in our, our study at Cafe Euro through the book of Acts, and we see a common practice of Sending letters ahead of someone to say, we can vouch for this person. We recommend this person. They are a good worker for the kingdom. And so Paul here is asking, as an apostle, do we need to send you these letters? We, weren't we the ones that helped set up the church that you have? And so Paul is asking them, saying, we don't, we don't need to send these letters to you. And we'll look and see why in just a second. So Paul asks these rhetorical questions. The answer to each of these is obviously no. We saw that it was a common practice. Many were misusing this practice and, and requiring and demanding letters of someone. Uh, we see this with Judaizing teachers. But we see them using, used correctly in Acts chapter 18 and verse 27. If you will turn with me there. Acts chapter 18 and verse 27. And it reads, When he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive them. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. This letter was sent ahead of them so that when he got there, they knew to receive him and welcome him with open arms and help him. Paul tells them plainly, though, why he does not need this kind of letter. Notice verse 2. He says, You, the Corinthians, are our epistle. You are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by all men. He says that they were proof of his work. They were proof of his qualification. 
as an apostle. What I want to look at more closely, though, is what is in verse 3. This is the idea of an epistle of Christ. Paul didn't need a recommendation letter because the Corinthians were his recommendation letter. Everyone knew what the Corinthians were doing. People in the area knew about the Corinthians, and Paul, having worked with them, was using that group as his recommendation letter. But he delves more deeply into the, this idea of letters in verse 3. Clearly, you are an epistle of, notice, not an epistle of Paul, not an epistle of, we talked in 1 Corinthians about, there's divisions among you, I, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except for these people. We've got divisions among the Corinthian brethren. But he says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. We need to understand that all people are epistles, all people are letters in some regard. Uh, not everyone is a, a letter of Christ, however. Not everyone is a letter of Christ. Um, but everyone is read by others in some way. I, I use this illustration with my older kids that come in to, to help my, my kindergarten class. My fifth graders will come in and help, and I have to remind them every time, whatever you do, the little babies will do also. They're always watching. They're looking to see what you will do, and they're going to do the exact same thing. Everyone has an influence of some kind. There is no neutral ground. Matthew 12 and verse 30 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. There is no neutral ground with letters. There is no neutral ground with the influence that we have on others. Individuals are being read every single day, and they're not uh, cognizant of that fact. Even those who claim to be neutral, those who claim to be indifferent, influence others to be indifferent like them, and then that's still very negative. Everyone is being read by something. We know that the Christian, though, should never be neutral. The Christian should never be negative. The Christian makes a constant and a persistent effort to stand against sin and error. We need to be on guard against sinful lusts. We talked about this on Wednesday uh, past, being cautious against things, taking heed lest we fall. Sinful lusts can be very deceitful. When we think we have them destroyed, we think we've cast these out, we think we're being an epistle for good, they can rise up and pierce us from behind. So let's always be on guard. Let's always be alert. Let's always be watchful. Ephesians 4 and verse 22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. You wear the new skin. You are a new epistle of Christ that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So realizing the truth that everyone is being read by something, that everyone is an epistle, let's think for just a moment on ways that we are read. I think we're read in a, a, a handful of different ways. We're read by our speech. This is very, very easy to see. Uh, if, if we're not literally writing the things that we're saying down, people hear the words that we say, people hear the tones that we use, and we're being read by that. That's what our epistle is showing. Turn me to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. We're going to talk about our speech for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 reads, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Colossians 4 says a very similar thing when he's writing to the letter of uh, the church in Colossae. Let your, church all, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. 
We see proper speech revealed for Christians in that the words that we say should only be used for edification. The tones that we use should only be used for good. James tells us, we'll go to James in just a second, but uh, there are times where we can be thoughtless with our speech. There are times where we can be careless with our speech. And that should not be the speech of a Christian. That is not writing good things in our epistle. We need to guard against our speech very carefully. Matthew 12 and verse uh, 16 says this, says, But say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. We need to fall into one of those two categories, and we will. We can either be justified by our words, which is where we should be, or we will be condemned. James chapter 1 may be a familiar verse to us when we're thinking about speech. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear meaning listening, slow to speak, slow to wrath, I think talking about the words that you say and the way in which you say them. A next way that we are read is that of our conduct. Not only are we read by our speech, but we're also read, our epistle is read of others by our conduct. In the workplace, our epistle is read. Turn me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll see this. In our employment, people know if we are good, honest, hard workers. People know if we are good, honest uh, employers, bosses. We are read by our conduct at every point in our lives, especially in the workplace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 12, 11 says that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Most of the people that we'll come in contact with are through our workplace. And how should we show ourselves to them? Well, we should present ourselves properly towards those who are outside, leading a quiet life, showing all of the characteristics of Christ. We're read by our conduct at home, uh, whether that's with our neighbors looking on to see that we're getting up every Sunday morning and we're going somewhere. We're getting uh, ready to go Wednesday evenings for Bible studies. That uh, whenever they see us, whenever they talk to us, we, they know the conduct that we have. This is uh, towards children in the home. This is towards parents in the home and the relationships that we have together. We're read by our conduct by our recreation the way that we spend our, our leisure time shows what kind of epistle we are writing. Shows that we should be writing an epistle of Christ by our, the things that we do for our, our recreation time and our leisure. Our next way that we are read is by our interest in spiritual things. If we are truly concerned about our souls and truly concerned about the souls of others, it will have to show. Likewise, if we're unconcerned, it will show. There's not a riding the fence. You can't be ambivalent. You can't be in, indifferent towards spiritual things. You have to be either for spiritual things or against spiritual things. And that shows by our action. I want to ask you some personal questions just for a moment. Are you interested in visiting people? Are you interested in praying? Are you interested in studying? Are you interested in teaching? The answer is no to any of those things. I would argue that you're not interested in spiritual things. Are you interested in the growth of this local congregation at Walnut Street? 
Are you doing works that show you're interested in that growth for this congregation? And finally, are you promoting love? Are you promoting unity? Are you promoting goodwill towards better? If so, and you answered yes to all of those, perfect. You are an epistle of Christ. You are doing the right things to have Christ written on you, and you are interested in spiritual things. But if any of those were no, remember, it's not a check, 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 check. It's a you are for spiritual things, or you are not interested in spiritual things. There are those that have written, life is like writing a book. Every day we write a sentence. Each week we write a paragraph. Each month we write a page. Each year we write a chapter. And soon life is over and the book is finished. So as we're thinking about us being an epistle of Christ, think about what you're writing every single day. Because what you write on a daily basis will make up that sentence. What you, that sentence you write that week will make up your, your paragraph for the month. And take that illusion on and on and on until you have a whole book. We cannot fail in one day. We cannot fail in one week or else our book will not be an epistle of Christ. We also need to understand what the nature of our letter is. The first thing that the, our epistle should be is legible. This is a very easy one to see. Let's read again 2 Corinthians chapter 3 just to, to see the nature of this. Specifically, verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Talking about the Corinthians, he says. Ministered by us, not written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Their epistles were not with ink, they were with the Spirit of God. Their epistles were not tables of stone, tablets of stone. Their epistles were in the fleshly tablets of the hearts. We understand that we are spiritual letters, not physical letters. We're not tattooing our lives to our arm. We're not tattooing words across ourselves. But we are spiritual letters. We can learn some traits from physical letters that we can apply to our spiritual letters. The first one being a legible letter. Legible meaning capable of being read. Legible meaning easily deciphered or plain. Our print must not be blurred. You ever gotten a letter in the mail and it had rained the night before and you go and take it out of the mailbox and you're trying to figure out what it is but the, the print is blurred because it's wet or it's soggy or, or they have bad, bad handwriting, it's not legible. You can't understand what the purpose of that letter is. You don't know if it's a I love you letter or I don't ever want to see you again letter. The purpose is blurred. We don't like to read the things that are not legible, and the same is true with spiritual lives. If we are not clearly writing Christ on ourselves, and people are always looking at us, if they have to squint really hard, if you're writing Christ very small, and people get a headache whenever they're reading your small print, I would argue that you're not being bold. I would argue that you are not clearly and legibly using Christ in your life. The Christian should be an epistle of Christ, which is easily read. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. We'll read 14 through 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father in heaven. Another one of those illustrations that we understand about our Christian life. We should be lights. If we are surrounded by darkness and we are a light on the hill, people should flock to us. But if we're taking that and hiding it underneath something, people won't seek us out. Same thing with writing. If we are writing our epistle of Christ, if we are an epistle of Christ, and we're writing very small font, people can't read that. People can't seek that out. They cannot see Christ in us. Make your stand for Christ obvious and plain. Make the, the case, the print, the font bold. Make it underlined. The next thing that a letter should be is constructive. We must have a clear, clearness of meaning. A clearness of meaning uh, being the times where the letter was legible, you can read it, but you don't understand what it means. You don't get what they're saying. The message was not clearly set forth, it was not positively set forth. When I think of positivity in the New Testament, I often go to Philippians. We'll go to Philippians chapter 2. All Christians must be positive letters. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 through 15 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Paul is writing to the Philippians saying, do all things without complaining, without disputing. Why? Because that's what the perverse world does. And he goes back to that analogy that, that Jesus uses. You are lights on a hill. If you are complaining or grumbling or disputing, your letter is not positively setting forth the characteristics of Christ. We talked about boldness a second ago. We need to constructively set forth the message of Christ with boldness and plainness. This was the prayer of uh, Paul and uh, excuse me, Peter and John. We see in Acts chapter four and verse twenty-nine. They both pray for boldness. They say, "Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word." That goes back to the constructiveness of the message as well as the legibility. That they were boldly saying the things that needed to be said, and they were clearly and plainly laying them out. As we try to teach the gospel to others, let us use a great plainness of speech. Uh, there are many in this world that are disillusioned by false speech. Many that are disillusioned by uh, speech that warps and twists and acts as false teachers that were warned about in the New Testament. Let us not be guilty of that as well. Let us do our best in making the message very plain, plain and very clear. It was laid out very plainly and very clearly for us. Let's not muddy the waters when we explain it to others. The next thing that an epistle of Christ needs to be is convincing. We read that it's legible. We read that it's constructive. An epistle of Christ, remember that's us, should be convincing. There are many books that I very much enjoy reading on, on evidences. Evidences for why the Bible is true. Evidences for why the scriptures are true. Evidences for why God is real. And God is the creator and sustainer of this universe. None of those are as convincing, though, as a person who is transformed into a Christian. 
So if we want the greatest evidences that we can, if we want to be the most convincing that we can, we need to be a transformed Christian. Let not our letters reveal blemishes, reveal splots, reveal uh, spots on our heart. Let our letters have a convincingness that radiates the true God that has called us into grace. We need to strive for a loving spirit. Let us see what 1 Timothy chapter 4 says about a way that we should walk. Now, Paul, talking to Timothy, uses, let no one despise your youth, and he goes on with that. But I don't think that this verse only appeals and applies to those that are youthful. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says, let no one despise your youth. But notice what he says next. But be an example but be an epistle, but be a commendation, a recommendation to the believers in word, in conduct, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So let us live so that we can have a loving spirit, a vibrant faith, a purity of life that are never diluted by an inconsistency of message. The last thing that we should be as an epistle is enduring. We should be enduring in a way that posterity after us can look to us and say, I know how to walk because I see that this person was walking according to the scriptures. That we can be an example for our surroundings. So when people think of us, whether that's tomorrow, this week, this month, 20 years from now, they can think back and say, this person was following Christ. This person was an epistle of Christ. Many letters, many writings of, of famous people are kept for a long time. One of the reasons, uh, I'll, I'll give a, a music anecdote, I know everyone relates to those. Uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that we know so much about Beethoven is because he wrote everything down. He was meticulous with all of his notes, and we have every letter almost that he ever sent. So we know him very well. Are we living our life, writing our books, keeping our records, so that people know us very well? And if they know us very well, do we still speak? We see a couple of people in the scriptures that are told that though they be dead, they still speak. Those that are Bible students probably know I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 and look at Abel very briefly. And then there's another one after that that we'll look at. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. <clears throat> By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Well, how is Abel, though he is dead, still speaking? By his works. By the faith that he had, by the faith that he showed when he was living. Now, this is thousands of years later that we're still talking about Abel and his faith and his works. The next one to look at is Mary. We don't think of Mary as uh, someone who, though being dead, still speaks. But turn to Mark chapter 14 with me. Mark chapter 14 and verse 9. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. John chapter 11, and it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. We see from there that the letter that Mary had, the epistle that Mary had, that Abel has, was an enduring letter, because we're still talking about it. The letters that we have written and recorded for us, letters to various churches, those are enduring. 
because they've proved themselves time and time again. Now, our lives might not be as far-reaching or uh, as well-known as those of Abel or Mary, but we do affect our immediate generations. Those that come into contact with us should know our names and should know what we stand for. And that, that's, that's evident in uh, many of the relationships that we have. So I want to commend these relationships uh, through Scripture. Parents should be instructing your children in the ways of the Lord. That's one of the prime ways that you are an enduring epistle. By instructing your children in the ways of the Lord, your children know that you have Christ written on you. Young people should show Christian characteristics. Young people should show those characteristics that we looked at in 1 Timothy of love, a spirit of unity, those gentle characteristics, so that in their circles, in their peers, they are seen as someone with a unity and a Christ-like epistle. The older should continue to be that proper example. The older ones should continue to be that proper example in instructing those who are younger. That's a way that your epistle can be endured. There's a couple of things that I want to warn us about not letting our epistle be. Our epistle should not be that of idleness. Turn me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11 through 14. Paul to the Romans says this, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the works of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. What does this tell us that our letter should not be? Our letter should not be one of idleness. Our letter should not be one of idleness. We should be seizing the day. It's time to awake out of sleep. Salvation is nearer than we expect. The next thing that our letter should not be, we see from Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We'll turn there and read this passage. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels, proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. What does this show us our letter should not be? Our letter should not be one of negligence. Idleness is one thing, that's the not doing anything. Negligence is the other. That's the not paying attention to the Word of God. That's the not adhering to the principles that make you an epistle of Christ. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Bible students will know that we're in Revelation chapter 3, we're talking about uh, various epistles of Christ, but two specific churches. Revelation chapter 3 talks to those of Laodicea. And he talks about a lukewarmness that we should not be. Jesus says to this church, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. 
I could wish that you were cold nor hot. And the, the idea of cold or hot is serving a purpose. Cold water has a purpose, hot water has a purpose, but if you are in the middle, you have no purpose. Jesus wished that they had some kind of a purpose, but he says, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, verse 16, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and I become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We should not be a lukewarm epistle. That goes back to our legible. That goes back to our convincing. That goes back to our enduring. That we should be all of these things, being constructed and serving a purpose with our epistle. Turning back to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, later on in the epistle that we've been looking at. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20 tells us that we should not be an epistle of quarrel or of strife. He says, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Our letters should not be idle. Our letters should not be negligent. Our letters should not be lukewarm. Our letters should not be one of quarrels or strife. Our letters should be legible. Our letters should be constructive. Our letters should be convincing. Our letters should be enduring. So my question this morning is, how does your life read? Does your life read like an epistle of Christ? Or does your life read as any of those things contrary to Christ? An epistle of man, an epistle of the world, an epistle of add in what your epistle could be. There's one thing that our epistle should be. Our epistle should be an epistle of Christ. Let us not make for poor reading. Let us be legible, let us be constructive, let us be enduring and convincing. There's, a, there's an old poem written in the early 1900s, and I, I've taken some verses and kind of cobbled them together in a way that I think can, can help us read this. It says, what if our hands are busy with other things than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? We show the Lord's last message, given in deed and word. What if the type is crooked? What if the words are blurred? That poem, I think, is saying exactly what we read of this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 through 3. I will read one more time before we close and the lesson will be yours. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. The epistle that we write, every day, every week, every hour, every month, let it be an epistle of Christ. Let it not be an epistle of man, let it not be an epistle of the world. There may be those in our audience this morning that, that realize that they have only been an epistle of the world. That they have only been an epistle of man. They haven't put on Christ to walk as his epistle. We have water this morning. There should be nothing that hinders you from being baptized if you have faith in Christ, that he is the Son of God. And with that faith, you will follow in the actions that are required of you. That of being baptized, 
confessing his name, and walking as a new epistle. You are now an epistle of Christ. There may be others this morning that have been an epistle of Christ and have been read as, from others as an epistle of Christ, but you have begun to blur your words. You've begun to make yourself and your letters crooked. You've begun to write in smaller print. We have a time this morning that we would love to give prayers on your behalf uh, so that you can come back and begin to write boldly, that you begin to write plainly, that you can make your words very straight, bold, under. If there's any way that we can help uh, anyone in the audience this morning, I would bid you come while we stand and while we sing a song of encouragement.